sing this with me. this morning.
your praise Our hearts will cry These bones will sing Great are you, Lord And all the earth will shout your praise Our hearts will cry These bones will sing Great I've known Kate since he was a whole lot smaller than this. You want to sit on there? There you go. A little boy. And so, you know, there's seasons when you see these guys and then you turn around twice, they show up, and you're like, who's that kid? That's Cade. Whoa, he, he grew up. I didn't know that was him. And so Cade texted me uh, Easter Sunday after the service was over. I mentioned that last week that um, he, he sent a text to me. He said, I want to talk to you. It's important. It's about what you talked about today. And, and we had a conversation. He met with me later um, at the, the well. And we, we just shared some time together, and it was there in that context that he placed his trust, he placed his faith in Jesus, and uh, he wants to be baptized today, and I love it. I said, man, are you cool with that? He goes, I don't care who knows, I want the whole world to know. And so, okay, we're proud of you, man, I'm super excited to be a part of this special day with you, and uh, I will ask you, like I did in my office, I, I guess I need to roll up my sleeves, or it's going to be really awkward whenever I start to preach with wet sleeves. Eh, we'll just roll with it. How's that? You guys don't care, do you? Okay, good. Never think these things through. So, Cade, uh, in the office of the day, we were talking about the importance of uh, recognizing that we are sinners and that we're saved by God's grace when we trust in him. And so I'll ask you, like we did there, have you placed your trust, your faith, in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yes. All right, and do you want to follow him as a disciple? 
Okay. Well, because of your public profession of faith in him, in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death. Raised to walk with him in new life. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I want to share my heart with you this morning. I'm going to confess, I don't have a polished sermon. I never do, let's just be honest. Um, but I feel a little underprepared today, but I've got a lot in my heart and that I want to share with you uh, this morning. It's been a crazy busy week and uh, had a lot of great things happening. Uh, but as the Sunday gets closer and closer, I just find myself wrestling with different texts. And I'm like, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to share? And I just, uh, this morning kind of gravitated towards what I want to share with you today. It's one of my favorite truths in God's Word, um, and so hopefully you'll have an open heart and open ears and, and hear this uh, directed to you, see me in it, because we're all in the same boat today. But my goal is that this would be some sort of an encouragement to you today as we, we talk about fragile jars of clay. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, let me just give you, last week we talked about being witnesses for Christ and I kind of use the courtroom as a scene and kind of to set it up to talk about our uh, witness for Jesus that we are not eyewitnesses to the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So we need to take the pressure off of us when it comes to being a witness of Christ. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. Therefore, I don't need to try to defend that. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel accounts of Jesus, they do a very good job uh, giving eyewitness testimony. And I believe by faith their testimony. And we talked about the expert witness. So I'm not an expert, far from it. And, and chances are that most of us in the room are not as well. But an expert witness is one that gives um, detailed information about subjects that we ourselves don't know. And so in the courtroom, the judge doesn't know it, the jury, the people assembled. So an expert witness is very important as well. And they begin to give you their, their expertise in that particular area. And I think that's like Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was raised as a Pharisee from the strictest sect in that Pharisaical community. And he knew the Old Testament law like the back of his hand. And whenever he had his encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, he um, was radically changed. And, and through his writings, the epistles of Paul, we were able to see some expert witnesses. He ties together the Old Testament with the New Testament and, and these prophecies. And he just does a beautiful job breaking it down for us. And, and I'm thankful that I don't have to be the expert witness because I have the testimony of one who lays out the gospel of Jesus Christ so beautifully in the Pauline epistles. Amen? But I talked thoroughly about this thing called the, the character witness, someone who speaks on behalf of the person that's on trial, and they, they get up and they speak about the character, the conduct, you know, just kind of the, the, the morals of the individual that's on, on trial, and, and, and you, you get up and you say, hey, this is a good person. It was just a crime of passion or a weak moment. That's not what this person is all about. And so you give a character reference. And so what I shared with us last week is God has called us to be witnesses. And sometimes that sounds so intimidating that we just kind of dismiss our role as witnesses because we think, I haven't seen it, I'm not an expert. And, I, and my, my counsel was, we are all character witnesses. And by being a character witness, we're just simply saying, let me tell you what God did for me. Sounds kind of easy, right? 
So listen, I once was lost, now I'm found. I once was blind, now I see. I was addicted, I had a life of addiction, and he delivered me from that addiction. My marriage was broken, and he restored that marriage. I mean, we all have a story, and as we begin to share with other people what God has done in our life, that is a character reference to the goodness of God, and that is a witness of our testimony, our faith. Amen? I was thinking about that a little bit more, and I thought, you know, but there's still something that kind of keeps us from taking that step of being a witness, a roadblock, if you will, that kind of hinders us. And I was thinking about our own um, inabilities, or not just inabilities, but our own sense of unworthiness. Does anybody else ever feel like you're not worthy? I mean, why would God, this holy, awesome God, choose me and give me salvation and just uh, put his, his good news, his treasure of the good news in my heart? Why would he do that? It doesn't make sense. I don't feel like I'm, I'm worthy of being saved. I don't feel like I'm worthy of being a vessel to share with other people. And, and I know that whenever I surrendered to, to ministry, and especially 18 years ago when I surrendered to come back here to be a pastor of my, my first church, I never pastored before, I've never preached a few times, but I just remember how overwhelmingly just that, that was huge to me. And I remember my prayer very specifically, it was God, I can't preach. In fact, I said, I can't preach my way out of a wet paper bag. I mean, I can't preach, but God, I love people, and I still love people. And I said, I love people, God, and if you want me to go to that little church and love on people, then I'm your man, I can do that. You're just going to have to help me on the, the preaching stuff. And I remember just stepping into that role humbly. And along the way, I meet some great people. And I mean, like rock stars in ministry. In fact, I rubbed shoulders this week with several of them that have graduated from cemetery. I mean, seminary. <laughs> I'm always joking. I, I, I value that, and I think it's good if you can go there. But these guys are, you know, they're just so brilliant, man. And, and God has blessed them with a lot of knowledge they got from seminary. And yesterday we had a, a women's a conference here at the church. We hosted it. And the guest speaker, Rachel and I, picked her up from the airport, 29 years of age. So what's your story? She's like, I'm going for my doctorate in theology. You know, she's been in seminary since she graduated high school or whatever. And I'm up there driving the truck. She's like, which seminary did you go to? Do I need to answer this? Do I want it? I look at Rachel, I'm like, here we go. HKU, man, that's where I graduated from. Hard Knox University. That's where I got my diploma. No, I said, I didn't go to seminary. I was a cable guy. Really? You're, yeah, and I'm pastoring a church. I know, right? It's crazy. Now, I just don't feel sometimes like I am qualified to be the man on the stage, but this is what God has, has done for me, and it's where he's placed me, and it's something that I have personally wrestled with many times in my life. And chances are, if you think about you, and as it relates to the gospel and your witness to other people, you may feel the same way too, a little unworthy, maybe unqualified. And I got some good news for you. Scripture is filled with examples of God using Broken, messed up, misfits. I called them last week crackpots. God is in the business of using broken people. Amen? In fact, let's look at 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul is speaking here. It says, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way. Let's stop. Therefore, when you see the word therefore, I always remind us that we need to go see what it's. Thank you for three or four of you listening over the years. I'm obviously doing a great job. No, no, when you see the word therefore, you need to go back and see what it's there for. So get the context, what's happening. 
So in this, Paul is saying, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, that's the therefore, the new way. So he's talking about the, the gospel of the New Testament, the good news. And see, before that, they had the Old Testament, the law, and, and, and he says the law led to condemnation, the law led to death, but in this new way, which makes us right with God, he says, if the old way, was, which was glorious, was replaced, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? And he's saying this is a, a beautiful thing that God has done, and he's made us ministers of the gospel, the new way. They were saved by grace. We're made right with God by grace. He says, because of this, we never give up. He says, we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. He's referring to some false teachers that have crept into the church at this point. So Paul was very active in the church at Corinth, and, and he, he leaves them there. And it's, it's kind of a messed up church. But he catches word that there's a lot of false teachers that have crept into the church, and now they're dogging on Paul. And they're saying things about Paul that, you know, he's, Paul is, is fickle. Paul is proud, or they were unimpressed with his appearance and his speech. That he was dishonest or he was unqualified as an apostle. So this is what Paul is up against. And he, he spends a lot of this letter kind of addressing some of that. And he sends Titus or he leaves Titus there at Corinth to kind of correct some of that, that wrong behavior. And he catches word from Titus that many of them have repented and, and they kind of come along. And he's, he's excited about that. So he's encouraging them. And he's still um, just kind of trying to... Uh, just, just relate, if you will, or get these naysayers to come along. And, and in this, he's talking about there are those that were saying that Paul was disqualified to be an apostle of Christ. He's unfit. He's not worthy to be there as well. So we, we struggle with it. I personally struggle with it. Even Paul dealt with it. And he goes on in verse 3 to say, If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, this is important, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Don't miss this. He says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. He says, we're preaching the good news. We're telling the truth about God. And if some people don't get it, those that are not saved, he said they're blind to the gospel. And he says they're blind not because God wants them to be blind, but the God of this world, Satan, has blinded their minds. Church, how important is it for us to pray that as the gospel goes out, that God will open the eyes of the blind, that they'll see the truth and the hope that is in the gospel. Verse 5, he says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We know, or it says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. In short, God has placed this beautiful treasure of the gospel of Jesus Christ in each one of us, and he calls us fragile jars of clay, fragile clay jars, earthen vessels, cracked pots. I know when I came to Christ and when I surrendered to ministry, um, 
you know, I, I had a hard time seeing myself in that light. And I, I was bad about comparing myself to other ministers and other people well more capable than me. And I just remember seeing me and I'm like, God can't use me. I've got a past. Does anybody have a past in here today? That God can't use me, right? I've got a past. Especially if you go to Mangum, Oklahoma and talk to some of those guys, <laughs> they'll tell you I've got a past. And Jesus said, a prophet has no honor in his own country. I'm like, God, you can't use me. There's too many people that know the real me. Last week I talked about you're an expert on you. No one knows your story as well as you do. Guess what? Others know parts of you too. And my thinking was, God, you can't possibly use me because I'm a broken vessel. I don't know if you can tell from back there, but there are holes in this plastic thing. And so my, my thinking was something like this. You know, God, if you're going to use me, if you want to use me, I mean, I want you to use me. Here I am, God. Use me however you can. And, and, and I just want him to use me, right? But the problem is, I see myself. Don't worry, I know the pastor. He's not going to be mad. I, I see myself as someone unworthy, un, incapable of, you know, being effective. And I, and I just see myself as broken. God, you can't possibly use me. And, and you know, there's something beautiful about this text here here's, because here's if you don't get anything else get this it's not about the vessel I mean you and I are the vessels but it's not about us we're not the good news the good news is what's in the vessel amen and so when we approach you know just life and our testimony we're like God you can't possibly use me I mean I know what I've done and I've talked to people over the years saying I've had an abortion I don't know that God can forgive me for that and I'm like yes he can and the beautiful thing is God can use that in your past that scar if you will to minister to someone else who's possibly gone through the same thing Shane I've gone I've had infidelity man I, I've cheated man I, I went through a divorce I was addicted to drugs we all have holes Right? We all have them, so let's just level the playing field and admit before God that there are no perfect vessels in the room. Romans 3.3 3 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one perfect, no one righteous, not even one. We're all crackpots. And see, that's the beauty of the gospel because he chose to put this beautiful treasure of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that he, he makes people right with him through his grace, right? He puts it in these earthen vessels. And the hang-up for me, and maybe for you too, sometimes is, God, I'm not worthy. I know what I've done. And, and what's liberating for me is to say, you know what, Shane, it's not about you. See, I think God had to cover the holes, right? If he's going to use me effectively, then let's just cover this up and let's keep it hidden because that's what I want to do. I want to hide my past. Anybody else want to do that? We call them skeletons in the closet and we're freaking out if that closet comes open. Ah, everybody's going to know me. What do we do with the treasure? I mean, if we have money or if we have heirloom stuff or we have valuables, we usually put them in a place that's safe from someone finding them. They're hidden. and That's why we want to keep it, right? I have a safe at home, and at the beginning of COVID, I'm like, who knows what's going to happen in this crazy world? Pull cash out of the bank, put it in the safe, because that may be all we got for a while, right? And my safe's got this fire rating. I don't remember how long it's good for, but it can withstand a fire for a time, and all your, your documents are, are, are protected in that. And that's just the way we think, right, is we, we take a treasure, and we put it in something that's worthy of that treasure, and, it, and it's hidden, it's protected, no one can see it. No one's going to get to it. And God takes this beautiful treasure of the gospel. He says, that's not the way I work. And he puts it in earthen vessels. Vessels with holes in it. You have to ask the question, why? Why does he do that? Because it's not about the vessel. 
It's about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, it's for God said, let there be light and the darkness has made his light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. I can't stand up and say, look at me, I'm a worthy vessel. No, this great power is God in us. Paul in Colossians says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. When we allow ourselves to be used as a vessel for God, and he puts this beautiful treasure of the gospel into our lives, what happens? Those mistakes, those outright sins, those times when we drop the ball in a big way, those embarrassing moments that we want to keep hidden, those holes become avenues for God's grace to shine through, right? And so there are people that you know that I don't know and people I know you don't know and, and you may be the only person that they're going to come into contact with that you could speak into their life in a specific area. Hey, I've been there. See that hole? I've been there. I've done that. You do not want to go down that hole. There is a better way. Hey, hey I've walked through that, that divorce. Let me just tell you, there's, there's a better way. Hey, I've, I've had that abortion or hey, I've had that, that, that sex outside of marriage or cheated on the spouse or whatever. I mean, whatever it is becomes a, a way for God to use our brokenness um, to bring hope to those that might be in the world around us that are struggling with the same thing. Does that make sense? And so it's not about the vessel. Let me tell you two things that are very important. What this does not mean, and I believe that we should not try to put more holes in the vessel. Amen? You're like, well, if God's grace is that awesome, woo, let's put some holes in the cup. Not what I'm talking about. See, we're a new creation. The old is gone, right? We've been crucified with Christ. We've been raised to walk in a new life. We're a new creation. And so I don't want to put more holes in the cup. And let me tell you what else we don't want to do. We don't want to glory in the old days. Boy, back in the day, let me tell you what I did. Mm -mm. I'm, I'm ashamed of those things. But rather trying to be dishonest and cover them up, I just simply say, look what God can do. Look what God can do. Isn't the gospel beautiful? And somebody's like, Machine, man, my, my life looks a lot like that thing you're holding up. There's a lot of holes in it. I got good news for you. God is no respecter of persons. You say, yeah, Shane, but I got, I got some. We ain't even just going to talk about it. It's so bad. And I think about Peter. Peter's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I think of him often <clears throat> because it's like a roller coaster. You know, he had his highs and his lows. When Jesus came to Peter and says, I want you to put down your net and follow me, he and his brother Andrew came with Jesus and they followed. And later on the lake, Peter's the only dude that said, Jesus, if it's you, let me come to you walking on the water. And what did Peter do? He threw his foot over the side and he's the only dude that walked on the water. Yeah, he took his eyes off Jesus and started to sink, but nobody else could say, I stepped out of the boat and I walked on the water. That was a high moment in his life, right? Then Jesus started telling him he's going to go to the cross and Peter says, no, it says he rebuked him strongly. Jesus, no, you can't go to the cross. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. What? You're a stumbling block to me because you're thinking from a merely a human point of view. One time he went onto the, to the mountain, it's called the Mount Transfiguration, where Jesus is transformed before his very eyes and he sees Moses and he sees Elijah. That's a high moment in his life, right? 
And later he would come down, and as Jesus went closer and closer to the cross, he took Peter and a few others with him, and he said, stay, keep watch while I go pray. And Jesus goes and prays and comes back and finds Peter sleeping. He says, Peter, could you not keep watch for one hour? Peter later makes that declaration. You know what? If everybody else turns from you, I will not turn from you. Do you so, yeah? Tonight I tell you before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. Now I won't do it. I'll never, never deny you. What happened? Peter three times denied that he even knew Jesus. The third time he called curses down from him. He says, I, I, I call curses down from heaven if I'm lying. Question, was he lying? Like a rug. Ups and downs. And this Peter, at the lowest point of his life, the biggest hole of all, denying that he even knew the, the Savior that he had hung out with for the three and a half years that witnessed all the things, absolute, this is God in the flesh. Peter says, I don't know him, denies him. And it says that Peter, Matthew, Mark, and Luke say that Peter went away and wept bitterly. He was ashamed of what he had done. But man, I'm so excited about John chapter 21. Because John chapter 21 records the day that when Jesus is coming out of the grave and the angel's there and he says, hey, go tell the disciples, including Peter. Think about that for a second. Peter wasn't worthy, but he said, go tell the disciples, including Peter, that he is risen and he's going ahead of you to meet you. And then on that day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, he says the power filled that place. And Peter, yes, Peter, the, old, the one that just screwed up so many times, steps up and declares the gospel of Jesus Christ in a very bold and powerful way. And it says that everyone that believed his message were baptized. And it says and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Yeah, that Peter. Church, God uses broken, messed up people you have to ask yourself the question if he uses Peter can he use me mm -hmm. but what we need to understand it's not about us and so if we put the focus there like I'm not as good as x y and z or that person or I'm not as talented as that preacher or that theologian I just just sit down and let somebody else step up or you're saying hey let somebody else tell them about Christ because I I don't feel like I'm qualified I've got too many holes in my vessel just hear me say this, it's not about you, but it's about Christ in you. It's not about your vessel. I mean, yes, you're a willing vessel, right? But it's about the treasure that's on the inside of the vessel that gets all the glory. He says, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is not from ourselves, but it is from God. So when it comes to this vessel, I think of myself and I think of my, my past and I'm like, I'm ashamed. <clears throat> but Paul says in Romans 1, I think it's verse 16, I'm not ashamed. Paul, the one that persecuted the church, you remember? The one that was a witness at the stoning of Stephen and he agreed to the killing of the first martyr, that, that Saul later became Paul. Paul stands up and he says, I'm not ashamed. But he's not talking about the vessel, he's talking about the contents that's in the vessel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Church, it's not about 
us. It's not about the vessel. It's about his light in us. And when we just simply say, God, if you can use me, God, if you can use this broken vessel, then I want to be a willing vessel. And I know I don't have to have everything. I mean, isn't that cool about the good news? God's not waiting for us to get all of our stuff cleaned up first, and then we can come to him. We can come to him just as we are. Well, does does God love me because I'm this way? He says, but God demonstrated to us his love while sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to die on the cross while we were still sinners, while we had holes in the vessel. God uses broken people. I'm encouraged by that. Hopefully you are as well. So, you know, you know what? It's not about what I've done. I mean, those are areas in my life that, you know, I'm not going to glory in them. I'm not going to try to create more holes in the vessel, so to speak. And here's the good thing. Even when we do, because we will, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness if we confess our sins to him. And we're just broken vessels. Let's just admit it. I'm a broken vessel. And God, if he can use me, then let me shine your light through me. And so this mystery that was not revealed in the Old Testament that's now revealed in the New Testament, this great mystery of the gospel, he says, this mystery is is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So there's a lot of hope that comes from knowing that one day we will be with Jesus for eternity and no longer struggling with that old earthen vessel with the holes in it will be made new, perfect body, right? Oh, there's a lot of hope in that. But I would go a step further and say there's hope to a world that's around us as well. Christ in us, the hope of glory. What in your life, in your past, can God use to minister, to bring a little hope to someone else around you? And I hope you see just how valuable you are and how much he loves us, that he allows this great treasure to be put in something that we feel like is unworthy, but he does it on purpose because it's not about the vessel, it's about his treasure in us, in the vessel, and he wants the world to see it. Amen? So we're just honest. We're honest with God. We're honest about him. We're honest about the gospel. We don't sugarcoat it. We don't try to make it palatable for other people. It's like the, the gospel seems too hard or harsh, and so let's just kind of soften it up a little bit so that more people will believe. No, no, we're going to tell the truth about who Jesus is and what the gospel is all about. And if people don't see it, we understand that there is an enemy that has blinded them. And my prayer is that, God, you would send your Holy Spirit to open their eyes, open their ears, let them see your great love for them. And they, too, will allow you to put that precious treasure in them as well. He's willing that none should perish. So my counsel to you this morning would be, if you're here and you feel like, Shane, I'm like that broken vessel and I'm feeling a little unworthy today. I just want you to know there's a God that loves you. And there's a God whose mercy is new every morning. There's a God who forgives. And that should encourage you to, to lean in on him and to, to come to him and say, God, if you can use me, here I am. And I would encourage you to place your trust and your faith in Jesus today. Don't wait until you get all your stuff in a row. Well, I got some things I need to work out first. You don't go to a hospital after you're already healed, Right? So come to Jesus just as you are, knowing that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall come to him and acknowledge the gospel and say, God, I admit I got holes in me. Will you forgive me of those sins, those holes? Would you make me into a new creation? Would you start over with me? And Lord, if you can use me in any way, here I am. Send me. I want to be your vessel. 
and watch what God can do. And here's the beautiful thing. As you grow in Christ, we call that sanctification. As God begins to, and I won't even say he's going to repair the holes, but as God begins to fill you with his love and his grace, you have more and more influence, right? As the, the people you're around, they look at you and they say, there's just something different about you. I mean, I know the old you. And so my hope would be I go to Mangum where I grew up and people look at me and they're, they're tempted to say, dude, you remember? I'm like, mm, 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 la, 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 let's just not talk about that. I'm not proud of those things. If they might be able to look at my life, they might be able to look at your life and say, well, if God did it for you, maybe there's some hope for me. Amen? So there's a song that Chris Rice wrote years ago. I love this song. It came to mind earlier this week and been singing it all week. Kathy Tricoli turned it into a hit, but it's, it's simply called uh, Go Light Your World. I didn't share this with the, the first service, so I'll give you the whole enchilada. So, yes, Shane, thank you, awesome, right? There's a candle in every soul, some brightly burning, some dark and cold. There's a spirit who brings fire, ignites a candle, and makes his home. Frustrated brother, see how he's tried to light his own candle some other way. You know, we try to fill that hole He's tried to light his candle some other way. See now your sister. She's been robbed and lied to. She still holds a candle without a flame. The Course says, so carry your candle. Run to the darkness. Seek out the lonely, the tired, and the worn. Hold out your candle for all to see. Take your candle. Go light your world. We are a family whose hearts are blazing, so let's raise our candles and light up the sky. Praying to our Father in the name of Jesus, make us a beacon in darkest times. You remember Matthew chapter 5, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount? He says, let your light so shine before men. No one lights a candle and takes a basket and puts it on top of the candle where it's dark. He says, no, no, no. Instead, they put it up on a pedestal so the whole house can see. And then he says, let your light shine like that. Let your good deeds shine like that. So that when the men see it, they're going to bring glory to God. Listen, he wants to use us to make an impact on those around us. The question is, are you willing? And if you're willing, Lord, you can use me. If you can use Peter, if you can use David, if you can use M Moses, right? If you can use anybody else, Lord, you can use me as well. And so, Lord, at the end of the day, it's not so that I can talk about my great power, but it's your great power through us. To you be all the glory forever and ever Amen. It's not about the vessel. It's not about you and me. It's him through us. Amen. Mm. Father, I thank you for the hope that comes through the gospel. I thank you that you don't choose perfect people. God, I thank you that you sent me 18 years ago to come be the pastor of this church. I still feel in over my head. I still feel like I'm unworthy. I still feel like I'm not qualified. But Lord, I do know, as I've always stated, I'm just a vessel. Lord, if you can use me, here I am. And Lord, I pray that that story that's true for me can be true for everyone in this room, no matter what they've been through in life, that they can see you and your love and your grace, that you restore, you forgive, and that you also want to, to make your light shine in our hearts and lives and, and, and through our brokenness to a world around us that needs desperately in this darkness to see a light. So Lord, would you help us to see our role in that and get over ourselves? Get over our, our sense of not worthy, our sense of not equipped, inadequate, or brokenness, our embarrassment, or humiliation, whatever it may be, God, help us to just get past that and, say, and, and see that it's not about us, but it's about you in us. And, and when those around us see our lives being changed, 
being sanctified more and more like your son Jesus, when they see that, Lord, let that be a beacon of hope, a beacon of light. It's hope to them also in their lives. Just simply help us to be obedient. Help us to be honest. Lord, help us to be honest about who we are. And, and that just seems to dis- diffuse some of the naysayers when we just say, hey, listen, I'm not perfect. I don't get it right. I've made plenty of mistakes in my life, but let me tell you what God can do. And back to that character witness about the goodness, Lord, of your grace in our lives. We can let our light shine. We can be a testimony to whoever you put around us in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, in the community, and beyond. So, Father, help us to see that we are like a candle. And our role is not to hide that candle. Lord, in shame or embarrassment, it's not about the vessel, but it's about you. And help us to raise it high in the hopes that someone else will see and respond to your gospel call, and they too can experience that same hope that we have, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Lord, if there be someone here today that has not placed their faith in you, I pray that today would be the day that they recognize their brokenness, that they recognize their need for you, and they would call out to you, repent of their sins, and trust you for salvation. Father, would you just be glorified in our lives? Would you help us to, there's so much going on in our world. We're so busy and there's so much darkness. It seems like the darkness is getting darker. Lord, light will always expel darkness. So help us, Father, to light our world. Help us to be used by you to make a difference in the people you put around us. And at the end of the day, we can't stand around and brag about how great we are as vessels To the contrary, we'll admit that we also are broken like everyone else in the world. Even Billy Graham, even Mother Teresa, there's no one perfect. But we'll take our place and let your treasure that you put in our hearts and lives shine out to the rest of the world, the people in our own lives, in our context. Lord, for your glory, we ask it. Lord, be honored, be glorified in our lives. As Paul said later in Ephesians 4.1, that we would live a life worthy of the calling that we've been called to. Lord, help us to live in a way that just pleases you. Lord, that is honorable and worthy of what you've done for us. And we just thank you for the gospel. Thank you that you demonstrated to us that while we were still in the middle of our sin, you sent Jesus to die on the cross. And Lord, that full assurance that when we called on your name for salvation, that you, Lord, being no respecter of persons, you don't play favorites, simply said, whosoever will come. God, I thank you for your invitation and our hearts, and I pray that we would respond to that. Lord, be glorified in our our lives as we leave this place today. We humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.